Hello and welcome everyone to the Almost Awesome Podcast. I'm your host, Tanner Rainhirsch, and today we got to be talking about the crimes of Grindelwald and where to find them. Oh, nope, my uh, notes got mixed up here. Fantastic Beasts and the Crimes of Grindelwald, a movie that at no point lists the actual crimes of Grindelwald, which is already a reason to give this movie an F. Um, I swear, that's not exactly the best title they could have given this franchise as part of the Harry Potter universe, but I digress. Um, so I have never been a huge Harry Potter fan. I was more into Lord of the Rings as a kid, and I would duel anyone in a game of Yu-Gi-Oh cards if they even suggested Harry Potter was better, even though neither ever happened. But as I got older, I paid more attention to Harry Potter, and I realized that the story grew up with its audience, which got me more interested in the movies. Sorry, I haven't read the books. Sue me. And I realized how well the story was put together. So when the prequel movie, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, came out, I was really interested, and I thoroughly enjoyed it, since it was out of the school setting and diving more into the lore of the wizarding world, which I had be which I had begun taking a great interest in. So naturally, I was really excited for this uh, new one, even though I had some reservations about it. Mostly because of the casting of Johnny Depp as the main antagonist, even though he is a noted asshole with a possible drinking problem and alleged spousal abuse. But I still gave the movie a shot, and for the most part, I had a lot of fun in this movie. And it does a lot of things well. But the things that it doesn't do well are bizarrely stupid. What's wrong with this film has to do with a major spoiler at the end, so fair warning for spoilers. Now, the main problem with prequels is that either A, you run into the risk of contradicting established facts set up by previous stories, or 2, any challenges that the characters face is left irrelevant because if it's a younger version of a character, we know where their story ends up. Prequels are usually an afterthought in order to cash in on our favorite characters after their stories have already been giving a beginning, a middle, and an end. Now what this movie has going for it is that it focuses on a new core cast of characters who f whose fates are not tied to the original Harry Potter films at all, so any challenges that they face you become more invested because you want to know what happens next. And yes, we are keeping this about the movies. I know J.K. Rowling gives details about this world all the time, but my rule is that in movies and books, they have their own continuity, so you don't have to have them match each other because when you adapt stories either to film or to novel, you have to make some changes, so it's better just to judge them for what they are rather than comparing them. Alright, nerds? We all know that one person who goes, well, in the books they... and we ban them from our birthday parties for a reason. Now, one thing I'm glad that they did in this film was that they did not change Newt Scamander's character from the socially awkward, kind-hearted person to someone more conventionally heroic and masculine, which I've always liked about the Harry Potter films, and what I think a lot of people can relate to, that... Anyone can be a hero or be important. I also like that his brother, Theseus, who I t 
totally thought was going to be like this superstar jock of the wizarding world who's super outgoing and stole Newt's girlfriend in high school because that's what it seemed like he was with what little info we got from him from the last movie and leading up to this one. But no, he's obviously more confident than Newt, but he really does care about his brother who naturally fell in love with Lita Lestrange, his old friend, or sorry, his old flame from high school or Hogwarts. After Newt was expelled from Hogwarts, after covering up for an incident which ended their supposed relationship. There is this one scene where Newt meets them at the beginning of the film that serves as both Theseus's and Lita's introductions, where the camera kind of shows shots from Newt's perspective, which was kind of cut weird, so I didn't understand what was going on at first. But it seems like it was shot this way, uh, because their eyes are not in the center of the frame, which I took it meant to imply that Newt isn't making eye contact with either his brother or Lita, which is, which seems to imply that he's not very comfortable around him. Maybe he feels a little bit more awkward around them. And these are people you would think he would be closer to. And this helps establish his isolated feelings towards them. So when his brother is trying to get Newt to work with him in catching Grindelwald, we get the sense that Newt is isolating himself from his brother over jealousy or resentment, even though it seems like his brother Theseus is trying his best to connect with him. Without revealing what happens, at the end of the movie, after both brothers have lost something, Newt embraces his brother and tells him that he has chosen a side, not only in the upcoming war with Grindelwald, but also letting him know that he is on his side, being there for his brother when he needs him the most. The non-magic friend that Newt made in the last film, Jacob Kowalski, returns now having his memory restored by Queenie, uh, which at first I thought was a lazy story writing device there, but they do point out that the stuff that they used to erase Jacob's memory in the last film only got rid of bad memories, which they actually did establish in the first film. And that's why he remembers the Fantastic Beasts at the end of that movie. So I have to give him credit for planning ahead. I was able to guess right off the bat that Jacob was under the influence of a love charm, which made me legitimately concerned that Queenie would do that to Jacob, like manipulate him emotionally, because that's what Voldemort's mother did to his mom. So he was not born of consensual love, and J.K. Rowling seems to think that was the reason he went bad, so... Yeah, that's kind of a fricked up thing to do. Boom. Both Queenie and Jacob seem to really like each other. And I liked how Newt calls her out for her selfish desire and makes her lift the charm. Now, they do establish that they have been in a relationship since the last movie, but because of the laws in America about marrying non-magic people, Jacob doesn't want to put them in any more danger, which causes Queenie to get understandably frustrated. This was actually a great way to build upon their relationship from the last movie, while also having Newt be the one to learn these new details, so we as the audience are not lost since we're learning information at the same time Newt is, which is what you should do usually with a protagonist. Tina, 
the female lead from the last movie, is brought back when Newt learns that she is looking for Credence, the boy they were both trying to save in the last movie, but also learned that because of the gossipy nature of the Daily Prophet, she thinks that Newt is engaged to Lita, even though it's actually his brother that is marrying her. This would be an annoying setback uh, story-wise, but it kind of makes sense with how they left things in the last film, with each other having taken a liking to each other and wanting to stay in touch, but Tina feeling Newt might still have feelings for Lita, which he assures her he does not, and which, upon hearing news of his supposed engagement, decides to move on and date someone else. Unfortunately, that's all there is for her character, because she doesn't get to do a whole lot in this film, even though there is a big mystery that needs solving. But the mystery is handled so poorly that it's more of an exposition dump near the end of the movie, where it makes you go, wait, what, there's a movie? Why are these characters important, huh? Her character, being a wizard detective and all, is perfect to investigate mysteries with Newt's help. There's always a mystery going on in the Harry Potter films, but... This one was more of an afterthought, having to do with the major reveal, but we'll get there but we'll get there in a second. Newt does get a chance to clear things up with Tina, and what I like is that when he, he isn't trying to pressure her or win her back or anything like that, instead he tells her that he wants her to be happy no matter what, and how in his own dorky way, likes her, which makes him more endearing to her. And I think that's a good thing that he wasn't trying to ruin whatever possible happiness that she has for his own sake, which I think a lot of guys could learn from. I did really like uh, Jude Law's portrayal of Dumbledore. He got a lot of the same mannerisms Michael Gambon had in the Harry Potter films. He got them all right, and I really got his nurturing and conniving nature that I really liked in the his character in the first place. I also liked them alluding to the fact that Grindelwald and Dumbledore were possibly in love, or at least Dumbledore was in love with Grindelwald, and his fear of facing him, which also alludes to the fact that during their falling out, they had a duel between Dumbledore, Grindelwald, and, his, and Dumbledore's brother Aberforth. My god, these names are stupid when you say them out loud. And his reluctance to face him after that duel, because during that duel, his sister, Ariane, I think her name was, was killed. Another possible reference is that Ariane has the same dark powers as Credence does in this film. At least I think it alludes to that, which adds another connection between the characters and why Grindelwald is so enamored by Credence's power and wants to take that in, why he knows so much about it. But after the duel, when Ariana died, Dumbledore is afraid of facing him because he might reveal that it was actually Dumbledore who cast the killing curse on his own sister, because none of them know whose spell actually killed her. Now... Depp's performance, on the other hand, is fine, but there really is no character there. He just tells people his motivations and what they're going to do, but there isn't a lot of emotional range. It's just 
Johnny Depp in a funny wig and funny clothes, and they just had to put up with him for a whole movie. I like his want or his reasoning for wanting to rise up and take control away from the humans. And he uses visions of the future of World War II, which shown from this perspective, you know, the atomic bombings and the Holocaust, can be quite shocking to people. And help gives the villain a point of view that they could have done something about it. Even though Grindelwald is probably just as evil and would probably do something similar uh, to those horrible things happening. Now, and he is Wizard Hitler. I mean, he gets taken out in 1945, the same year Hitler took down. So, you know, not the most subtle of parallels, but, you know, it's there. The main problem with this movie is the character of Credence. All of a sudden, he cares about where he came from and wants to know that so he can know who he is. And so does everyone else for some reason, but it's mostly because of the power that he has, this big destructive dark force. He's basically the smoke monster from Lost. But this is where the overcomplicated plot is just shoved in here to justify why he is so suddenly important. And when I say shoved, I mean they spend only like a couple scenes just giving a huge amount of exposition out of nowhere, leading up to the realization that Credence is actually secretly Dumbledore's brother. What? Uh, this was never established by J.K. Rowling, uh, even though she told us albeit not even in the books, but she told us everything there is to know about the Dumbledore family. And we are just left confused because this mystery was trying to... what this try, was trying to do something and was so poorly done. Like me, trying to say that sentence. <laughs> this is also what happens when you take a character who doesn't know who they are but then you say, oh yeah, you're actually secretly related to these special characters everyone likes. And now that makes them special without them actually earning something. So they're robbed of any character development or growth. This is exactly what, ha what would have happened if Rey turned out to be a Skywalker or something in the Star Wars films. It would have been underwhelming and undermines any character development. So yeah... Anything having to do with Credence was dumb, but the rest of the movie was actually really fun. Uh, I enjoyed it a lot, and I would recommend checking it out, because it's more of the world we love, and it has some emotional stuff for us to care about. You come for the magic and the characters, you stay for the magic and the characters. Well, that's the end of this podcast. I hope I did a better job of keeping it short and sweet. So, feel free to... Uh, comment however you can, lend a message or a comments, because I want to open this up as a discussion. I want to know your thoughts on this film, and let's keep the conversation going. So, thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you next time.